everybody, and welcome to Camera Dads, episode number seven. I am one of your two hosts, Mr. Phil Ringsmooth, and on the other side of the internet with me is my co-host and brother, Simon. How are you doing tonight, Simon? Hey, Phil, doing pretty good. How are you doing? I am great. I'm really good. excited to uh, to be back in the studio office area recording <laughs> uh, another show with you. Excellent. Well, um, today's so. show hopefully will be uh, interesting to a lot of uh, parents slash dads out there who are into photography, just like all of our shows are interesting, right? Absolutely. Um, so today Phil and I are going to talk about, uh, the, the title of a show is called the early days and we've got a lot of notes, but we're going to kind of see where this takes us. And the general, the, the big picture here is, um, what, what, as we first got into more serious digital photography, what made us get that way? And um, w when do we realize that we wanted to get more serious with digital photography? How did that involve our kids? And what have we learned since then? So um, the, a lot of parents have gone through the same phases you and I have gone through. And we wanted to share our experiences um, because many parents get stuck kind of at the first phase and don't really know what to do. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. So that's that's yeah. our topic for the evening. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> um, so let's let's go back to to you know the 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 beginning, I guess, when mm -hmm. um, you know when we first respectively had kids. Um, my oldest is seven and a half, and your oldest, I think, is five. He just turned five, six. Just turned six. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and when, when my son was born, I didn't have a DSLR. I had uh, one of my Zoom as far as you possibly can, um, <laughs> yeah. Kodak Z612 or something like that. Um, it was a Kodak? Was, I thought it was a Nikon. I had a Nikon at one point, okay. but I went back and looked, um, and I found some pictures that I had with a Kodak, which was even wow. Okay. before that, I think. So sweet. Yeah. I, I think after that, I still bought a Nikon. Uh, mm -hmm. cool, yeah. It was a Nikon cool picks. And that was one of those, again, a zoom as far as you can cameras. <laughs> Cause the farther but, it zooms, the better it must be. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I've stuck to that over the years, but <laughs> no. when I first started taking pictures of, of my, my newborn, I didn't, really have any particular thing in mind when I was taking pictures. I went back and I looked at some of, of those and they're just, and this isn't a bad thing. I'm just making observation. They're just all over the place, you know, pictures of him at the hospital, pictures of him in the, in the uh, bassinet sleeping or in the car seat being carried around or mm -hmm. pictures of everybody who's holding him for the first time, getting those pictures and a lot of the pictures are just fine. Um, yeah, and I've got the same they, they kind of thing, too. They tell that story again, but they don't, they're not the kind of pictures that I would really want to, I was thinking about how I wanted to, to go about this. And the pictures of my kids that are really important to me now are the ones that I can print out and, and put on the wall or put on my desk at work. And you have a lot of pictures printed out for the, the listeners um, who, who've never been to Phil's house. 
I don't know if your your current house has it, but your former house had this wall that was covered in pictures that you printed out. And that, yeah, we so, had a photo wall essentially of probably about fifty ish photos uh, covering the whole time span. Um, even some when my wife and I were were kids. Um, uh, sort of like a family tree, but most of those, mm -hmm. yeah, were pictures of our kids and and, and our pets and our family yeah, that and, we took ourselves and just printed at Walgreens and had tons of those on the wall. And I know what you mean. I went back and looked through the photos that I took when my, my oldest son was first born, and that's what I had too. I had these photos that kind of document the everyday stuff, but I don't they're not great photos and certainly I can recall memories from those times by looking at these photos, but they, they're nothing I would really want to print and frame or anything like that. I mean, there's a time and a place, but they, the, my style was much more take snapshots of whatever I see, or I tried to be artistic and <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't understand the limitations of my camera and I, earlier I mentioned phase one. Um, I, I think, and I don't have data to prove this, but I think just in talking to people, a lot of people get stuck at phase one, which is there's this problem where you, you want to get pictures, but you're not, you want to get better pictures, but you're not quite sure what to do. And sometimes that's like a, a paralyzing feeling where what, what do you do? How do you solve this issue of getting better pictures of your kids? And I dealt with that. And I think you kind of went through that same thing. And that's that, that step one is what we eventually, we, we figured out our own way around that. And hopefully we'll explore that a little bit. And maybe someone else who's dealing with that right now with a newborn might find that interesting. Yeah, my, my first steps of doing anything better was simply buying a better camera, not a DSLR yet, but just, um, Honestly, I think it was that the warranty, the best buy four, three or four year warranty that I had on the previous camera was about to run out. I think I remember this. The camera was still working just fine. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you, you threw but, it under your uh, car and ran it over. I, I, I accidentally, uh, one day I was just so clumsy and I dropped it well, several times. And <laughs> Are you serious? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I did a little bit of research and found out what what they do in you know in the case of your warranty, bring a camera in for repairs or whatnot. And wow. I took advantage of that. And so <laughs> I took the busted camera in, and uh, I ended up getting a couple hundred dollars credit towards a new camera. And that was the only reason I did that was because. I knew I had the warranty on the other one and I was going to get a new camera for very little money. So I went ahead and did it. I didn't have the interest um, in, you know, getting better photos, getting a DSLR or anything like that. I just took advantage of an opportunity to get a better camera. And part of me, of course, was thinking, well, better camera, I'll have better pictures too. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way that I was thinking at the time, it was of course, a huge zoom camera like a 28x or 20 24x yeah it was zoom huge zoom. whatever it was i was astonished when i saw that and thing i just thought oh this is great i can get pictures of of the kids doing anything and they're going to turn out 
spectacular because I can see him from all the way across the yard or all the way across. The and it, it was like a, a DSLR style camera, wasn't it? It was like a, a kind of a big chunky camera with a, a grip on the side. I mean, it, you, it, at first glance, you would look at it and think that's a, that's a regular interchangeable lens camera. Yeah. It looked like that. Yep. Um, did it work? Did course, your photos instantly get better? Maybe the quality, like the, just the, the noise and the graininess of the photos improved simply because the optics and the sensor in the camera mm -hmm. was better than the one that I had before. But other than that, I didn't, nothing about the way I took photos improved. In fact, depending on that zoom lens to get, to think I was getting better photos probably hindered me more than anything. Man, that's, um, but there's, that, there's a there's lot of wisdom I, right there, Phil. Well, thank you. That's, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> There's something that I, I wanted to ask you about, though, about these, you know, how do you get the really, what kind of pictures are good when you have an infant, um, you know, you're taking too many, you're trying to get just the ones you want. What do you think about, um, and I'm assuming this happens where you are in the hospital, some photographer who's registered with the hospital will come through and drop flyers off in your room and come back around the next day with like a basket and a pillow and some props mm -hmm. and take these, you know, professional-ish photos of your baby so that you can have that to keep. Did you guys do that with yep. one of your kids? Someone I, I know had that did. happen. I think we did. Well, it happened with all three of ours. Okay. Um, and I think we did do that with one of them because I remember this uh, sort of uh, a, a wicker basket yeah. with a pillow in it. Yeah. And, you know, of course, this 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 person makes a living taking these infant photos, you know, mm -hmm. professionally. Mm -hmm. And so they, they know how to, to crinkle the blanket just right mm -hmm. and to position the baby and put her hands up here. To fold sure, it and, sure. And you know, they know how to control stuff. the lighting and... Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so you asked me what I think about time, that. I was like, I, I didn't know how to feel about that. Like, yeah. Well, shoot, these are super expensive, but I don't know what I'm doing. Should I should I get these photos taken and should I keep them? Mm -hmm. You know what? Well, I don't think. I really don't think we did it with all three of our kids. I know we did it with at least one of them. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, does that did that happen with you, or what no, do you think about that? It, you know, now that you now that you mentioned it we never had that. And maybe it's because we live in a smaller town. There's about 45,000 people where we live. So maybe there's not as big of a market for it, but, um, that, that was never even an option. Um, and the only photos we have when our kids were first born are just these super grainy snapshots that we happen to take with our, our pocket camera. So that, I mean, that's, I think it's a good idea and certainly it, uh, it wouldn't hurt. Although it's it's frustrating that once you walk out that hospital, you're no better off with your own pictures. And I almost wonder if it would be worth going around to parents with newborns and doing like a little 20-minute photo education to show people, make sure you put the um, open up your windows so that you get light when you're trying to take a photo of your kid. And uh, don't don't zoom in on your kid but move yourself in i just little tricks don't like that. Use that flash 
sketch because you're just gonna you're gonna get red eye and everything. Yeah, gonna yeah. Look and I don't know the answer. I, I mean, that's an interesting idea. Because like you just you said a, just now, when you got your camera, um, you th you thought your photos would get better, and your camera was was improved, but your skills weren't necessarily upgraded just because you bought a new camera. And I think absolutely that's absolutely not. Yeah. And that's common. That's exactly what happens to it happened to me. It happens to a lot of parents where it, there's this problem that you're you, you can identify the problem, which is my photos aren't as good as I want, but you don't necessarily know how to solve it. And oftentimes people think that buying a better camera will sim will solve that problem. But I think I'm going to make it an assumption here um, based on limited data. I think that what what often happens is the camera doesn't fix the the problems because you still end up with the pop-up flash coming up and you haven't learned about composition you haven't learned about lighting um you haven't even learned what elements make a pleasing photo and i know several parents who have a the the fancy camera but go back to their iphone because the fancy camera doesn't really get them any better results as far as they can tell compared to their iphone so they just use the iPhone and yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. I think, and I, and I think, uh, I can think of, you know, some, some people that are in that same boat that have, um, the fancy camera, not necessarily DSLR, but a good, you know, um, you know, like a mid range Sony or something, mm -hmm. um, with a pop-up flash and, um, but essentially the photos that you're going to get aren't much different than what you'd get uh on a new high-end phone yeah yeah and they may have one of those also uh be upgrading the camera doesn't upgrade the photographer no it really doesn't and there's my my wisdom drop for you right <laughs> um certainly it, it can upgrade the the tools at your disposal but that that there is exactly what happened to me um when when my oldest son was born he was born in the summer of 2011 and I think I've mentioned it before on this show, we had a Panasonic ZS7, which is a pretty good pocket camera. But the photos of my kid weren't what I wanted. They were grainy, they were blurry, and they always had that, the flash. The flash was always popping up, or the, the going off. And I knew that I could turn the flash off, but then they were blurry. And I it was so frustrating. And I specifically remember our our dad um, visiting one time and I'm, I'm holding my eldest son and my dad or our dad had, um, a Canon digital rebel. It was like one of the first digital cameras that Canon made. And he took this picture of me holding, uh, um, holding my son and it was awesome it like and there was no flash was there? no there was no flash it looked so good <laughs> and and he was just like a month old and i told my wife i said how do we get that photo i couldn't figure it out and i i was so frustrated because i wanted that photo and like it was crisp you could see every hair on his head i it was frustrating and here i was thinking i have a good pocket camera what am I doing wrong? I never got those blurry backgrounds. Um, I didn't know how to make the camera focus on my kid. I mean, you, did you go through this, Phil? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You just keep taking kind of the same photos over and over again, hoping mm -hmm. something will get better. Oh, okay, maybe I'll have more lights on this time and that'll help. Or, 
uh, I'll get a little bit closer to them this time. Or, I'll, you know, maybe if I zoom just right, then I'll get that blur that I've seen in, in other photos. And that, the thing that was just missing for me before I got upgraded to a DSLR was really just the crispness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any photo really. Um, you just don't get, well, especially photos with a prime lens on a DSLR, but just that, that tack sharp Mm -hmm. crisp. And you know it when you see it, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you said, when, when our dad took that picture of your son and you see that and you're just, thinking wow that's the kind of photos i wish i have have been taking this whole time and i i thought that i was like i thought i was getting really good photos so that that's phase one a a whole (laughs) level there i know um and and how did you solve that phil as we as we work our way through this this issue here um and I, I, I think a lot of parents out there listening to this can probably say that they're in that same boat or they've been in that same boat. So what did you do to fix this? Um, well, it's not something that can happen overnight. You know, it's, it's, it's something that takes a lot of time. And the thing that I think I learned more than anything wasn't necessarily the camera because I believe what I stated earlier is, is a very valid point that a better camera doesn't make a better photographer and doesn't necessarily improve your photos. I mean, mm-hmm. they will look better, but they don't really, the better gear isn't truly going to change the photos that you get. You've got to learn how to take better photos. Yeah. And something that I learned over time, and I've mentioned this before on the show is really your perspective. It's moving yourself and into a position where you can get a picture of your your infant or your toddler doing things and taking the picture from waist height versus on the ground at their level can make a, a world of difference in the final outcome of that photo, regardless of what kind of camera you have. Yeah, that's... You know, you, that, it, just learning to pay attention to... Um, Learn to pay attention to what else is in the room, what else is around the child. And where's um, the light coming from? Man, paint. yeah, where's the light? Are you going to be in shadows? Something that I'm still struggling with is um, the background. You really got to start paying attention to, I say you really like you got to do this, but I'm just sort of speaking <laughs> from experience. Um, you got to start paying attention to what is in the background, especially because if you don't have that, crazy, you know, shallow depth of field with the bokeh blur in the background, you might end up with your toddler standing there, you know, holding the balloon or whatever it is, but in the background, still quite a bit in focus is a bunch of other people sitting on the couch. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. the same shot taken just you, from, you go around the corner 90 degrees and you approach it from a different direction. Well, now you've got the, an empty wall or a window or something else mm-hmm. behind them, not something that's going to distract. Well, and what you're saying from the, what you really want in that photo, and what I really want in that photo is the child and, and the, what they're doing at that moment. That's what I want you to see when when you mm-hmm. look at it. 
And you don't need a better camera to do that. These things that you're talking about, Phil, uh, the the brilliant part of, of these uh, these things like looking at the background and getting on their level, you can do that with an iPhone. And if you're someone, if a parent is listening right now and they're stuck at phase one where their photos aren't as good, those little things go a long way and they sort of transcend gear. It doesn't matter if you have a pocket camera, an iPhone, or a fancy DSLR. It, putting your kid... Uh, in in such a way or, or putting yourself in such a way so that you have a nice background behind your kid or just getting on their level literally getting down on their level I see a lot of photos of kids that my friends share online that are taken from the parents perspective so they're looking down and it's fine there's nothing wrong with that and for a lot of people maybe that's what they prefer but if you simply bend your knees and get down on the level of your kids especially if it's a a baby then you're 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 going to kind of immediately see a difference in your photos and you're going to see that uh the kind of the world from their point of view and it really connects the viewer to the kids because now I'm not an uh, an outsider looking down on the world of my kids I'm at eye level with my kids. And so I'm seeing things, I'm seeing them in the photo, but I'm seeing the world from their perspective. And it makes a huge difference, just these simple basic things like that. Here's here's one way uh, that I thought of maybe a good way to explain that the, the end result of doing these things, and again, you can't just pick this stuff up, stuff up overnight. I mean, my, my kid's going to turn eight this year. And so that's takes a long time mm-hmm. to figure these things out. But if you've got a bunch of photos where some of them are taken, you know, from the adult's perspective, and then a few are taken down on the ground at their level, and you're flipping through a book of all these photos, or you're going through a slideshow, the ones where you're going to just stop and say, whoa, look at that photo. Those are going to be the ones where you get down on their level and you really consciously think about what do I want to get out of this, out of this shot? Because otherwise, and and again, there there isn't anything wrong with this because you're still going to have photos of your, of your children or of the event or whatever's going on, but they're not going to tell that story Mm -hmm. in the same way as they would, you know, it's like, look, yeah, here was a birthday. Here's all the presents. There's the cake. That's really fun and all that. But if you take a picture of them, eating their cake, you know, standing a a few feet away where all the other parents are standing, you're going to get the kitchen or the table or whatever behind them. And uh, it's going to be fine. Or you could go right up there. And if your camera can get this close, you could basically set your camera down on the table with the cake taking up half the frame and your kid's face (laughs) and, you know, right behind them and their hands, you know, mashing and picture that right that's so much better i'm picturing this in that's, my mind that's and, such a great photo of, of a kid yeah. mashing their hand in the, in the frosting mm-hmm. then the same the same exact photo taken from a few feet away five feet six feet in the air at an adult eye level mm-hmm. just isn't going to evoke that same yeah that same awesomeness of, of what you're going to get later on and that's my biggest thing about this whole growing up and, and, and the early days and how I've improved taking pictures of my kids 
the gear is great, but it really just that perspective, that being aware of the surroundings makes so much difference. Thinking about what else is in this shot that I could use, you know, um, use to my advantage. There's, there's one thing that I like to do is, uh, baby feet photos. I've seen some of those on your, on your photo streams. Okay. Um, I've got one that's coming to mind now where, uh, our daughter who just turned one, this was maybe two months ago, we had taken her to a lake and she was in the little, um, the car seat, the carrier thing. Mm -hmm. She was sleeping, sitting there on the beach in the car seat, sleeping. And so I got down on the sand and her feet were kind of sticking out the end. And so I framed her feet with her face and her hands blurry behind. Oh, I can picture this. And yeah. That was yeah. exactly what I wanted to get because I don't know. It's just something about that it says, look at this cute little baby well, sleeping and... those feet. Oh, that but... to me, that's just so much more satisfying of a photo. What you're describing to me, it's, it's this mental process of becoming more intentional and involved with your photography, specifically with your kids, because I can think of the, the, that same photo you just described where your daughter's sleeping and you might just reach over and, and snap a picture with your camera and there's nothing necessarily compelling about it. Someone might look at it and think, oh, that's a cute kid. But by in, by involving yourself with what's happening and making these conscious choices to put the feet in the foreground, to frame the photo in such a way so that your, her, her face is in the background slightly blurred out, you're, you're making yourself do these intentional things in order to improve your photography. And that's, like you said, um, with regard to gear and, and making a better photographer, these decisions don't automatically happen just because you get a better camera. It's this, this sense of um, developing this, this uh, mindset of being more involved and also reflecting back on the photos you've taken and looking at what may have worked and what, what didn't work. And I think you mentioned the birthday party, and that was a great example Um for me is my kids are now uh, six and three, they're way more active than they used to be. And I think a crutch that often uh, that, that some parents rely on is the zoom on their camera. And if, if there's a mobile phone, then they, they do the pinch to zoom, which is essentially cropping the photo. But rather than getting in the action with your kids, some parents stand back and just zoom in with their camera. And mm -hmm it's not the results aren't going to be as compelling as if you make yourself get into whatever your kids are doing. So if they're playing in the backyard with the hose, get down on their level and, and be involved with them. It's going to make a much more interesting shot than just standing back on the, on the porch and taking a few snapshots of your kids. But it, that mindset has to kind of work its way through all aspects of the photographing your kids and it's difficult and it takes effort, especially as they grow up and you have to chase them around. But man, my photos got so much better when I started doing that. And yeah, the gear helped too, but just those, 
the it, it's like we're in one of those internet ads on the side of a website like just this one simple trick um, you won't believe what happens next but i'm telling you and i'm not telling you phil because you are already know this but anyone who's listening it matters so much just doing these little things of paying attention to composition and what's in the background and getting on your kids level and all these things go so far towards improving your photos um eventually though uh, go ahead Ah, uh, thank you. Um, th when you were des describing all of that there, uh, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of how this might sound or how this might come off to a parent who's, you know, at that first level and trying to, to get better photos. And, and there may be some apprehension that, well, okay, so if I stand over here and I use my Zoom, I'm not going to be in the way. I'm not going to get in the scene. I'm not going to... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a valid concern. What they're doing. So if I stand over here and I zoom in on them, then they're not going to know that I'm taking the photo. And that's that's actually a whole another thing right there is is doing candid photography versus staged photography uh, when it comes to your kids. Um, my short answer is you can get much better photos if you can do it candidly. But so, but you might be thinking, well, how can I? get candid unscripted photos if i don't stand over here and zoom in because if i get up close to them they're gonna be like oh dad <laughs> they probably will well, yes. you know why are you yeah put the camera down why dad. are you doing that you need to move so yeah throw the water balloon at whoever yeah. just and that that takes time to be able to get over that that fear and maybe you don't want to risk getting your phone wet or getting your phone dirty or your camera wet or dirty. Uh, you know, there's, there's that, those are valid concerns. I talked a few episodes back about how uh, I ruined all the photos on one of, one of my vacations because I set the camera down on the end of a dock as waves were coming in thinking I was going to get this great photo of you water did? coming right up to the camera. Serious? And, and then, it, yeah. And then uh, the rest of my photos for that trip, they, there was water in the lens. Wait, you know, because I, <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> was that was I on that vacation? I don't know. That wasn't a family. Like, you were on that podcast. I know that. That's crazy. I don't. We'll see. Every, <laughs> I'd say about six years ago, my memory started to go. My memory, which was already pretty bad, went way downhill. And something happened about six years ago. Oh yeah, my oldest son was born. Yeah. So yeah. I'll take your word for it and. Uh, yeah. Note to any parents: don't dunk your camera in the lake. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. But I think those are valid, you know, valid concerns. Uh -huh. That and you just got to slowly, you know, figure out how it's going to work for you and for your kids and and for your situations. I do got to say though, Phil, when um, we were talking about the the, the tack sharp photo and all that, there is a gear component to this, and I don't want to discount that. So a lot no, of, no, no, no. I, I was going to actually ask you to talk about gear because you are much more of a gearhead than I am. With thank you, with I will. <laughs> I was trying to work my way into like a segue from what we were talking about to our to the next point on our list. So you just no, I was just going to lob it straight over to you because I, I know you're interested right. to talk about the gear. So <laughs> um, because a lot of these things will definitely improve photos, but there 
there is a gear component to this because at some point you run into the limitations of your camera. And for me, I know I've mentioned this before, um, about nine or 10 months after, can I just say Isaac? Is that okay? Isaac is my oldest son. Can I say that? Um, nine or 10 months after Isaac was born, um, I, I was talking to my buddies at work about this who are both photographers and, uh, Kevin brought his, his, uh, D 200 with a 50 millimeter lens over and instantly my mind was like blown away that, um, that someone I could get these photos where my kid was perfectly tack sharp. The background is blurry and all that. And it was weird because when Kevin came over to my house with his camera, he didn't do anything special and we didn't set up a big lighting rig. We were just in my living room and he took a few snapshots of my kid and then we went outside and he took a few snapshots and I could not believe it. I, I, I look back on those photos and it's, it's unbelievable. It's like the end of dodgeball. I just don't believe it cotton. Uh, <laughs> and so there, the, the gear component definitely matters and I don't want to discount that. I ended up getting that same camera, a Nikon D200 and a 50 millimeter lens. And it was like an instant, bam. I just, that was a finger snap there for the listeners. <laughs> it was like instant level up. <laughs> Instantly, my photos were sharp and the backgrounds were blurry. And I, 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 I was paying attention to things like composition and lighting, all that with my pocket camera, but it never quite worked how I wanted. But man, when I got that new camera, it so much fell into place regarding getting those tack sharp photos. And I had years of learning left to do, which I'm still learning about composition and background and all that. But there was certainly a, a big chunk of that was solved by getting different gear and, and really upgrading my camera. What about you? Uh, pretty similar. Um, definitely. Oh man, getting a DSLR did help, and the photos got better. But the thing that made the biggest difference with you know making that that leap that level up was the thirty-five millimeter prime lens that I got on your recommendation. And because sort of my aha moment, like yours with, I think you said his name was Kevin, who, who showed you this, this camera and he didn't do anything different than what you were doing. My aha moment was when you gave me that, that same bit of education regarding prime lenses, because the the amount of light you can get in with a prime lens over what you get with a kit lens or what you get with a pocket camera can make a huge difference. And the, you can have so much more control over what you want to have in focus and what you want to be blurry in the background. Mm -hmm. The only really key difference is you have to position yourself where you want to be. Yeah. That prime lens doesn't zoom in and out. If you want a lens that can do all of those things and can zoom, you're talking about many hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to yeah. be able to do that. And that's not the kind of gear that you and I are really into. Uh, we, we don't have anything like that. And I, I wouldn't want anything like that because that 
Hmm. Well, for me, I think if I had, I don't know, a $2,000 lens, I don't know, let's just say that that would take some of the fun out of it for me. Hmm. Because then the lens would be doing everything <laughs> that I myself am learning how to do. Well, I do shoot with a $2,000 lens, and it is pretty fun. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, I do know what you mean. And I... I know you and I don't like to sit and make recommendations, or at least I, I'm generally not comfortable telling people what they should or shouldn't do. Because if it works for you, then I say do it. But um, there, I was surprised at how much mileage I could get out of gear that was not that expensive. And you can get used cameras um, online, not necessarily Craigslist or eBay, which you can do. There's sites like keh.com. Uh, that they they deal in used gear and they even have a return policy, so you can find a camera like your your a D thirty one hundred or a, a Canon T four I, these cameras that are not current, but when they came out they were top of the line, and they took amazing photos back then and they still take amazing photos now. You pair yeah, that camera, the they still do. Yeah, they yeah. took the Tacker magazine cover photos you thought you could get. Incidentally, but they're I was, old and you can get them. I was reading an article today about the the cover of National Geographic in the in um, in Italy for their their um, version of National Geographic. I mean, it is National Geographic. It's just the Italian version. It's this astronaut in a in a capsule, and it was shot with a Nikon D3, which is a ten year old camera, and the astronaut happened to have an iPhone with him, and there's the the astronaut is lit only by the flashlight on the iphone which you can't see because he's holding it in his lap and the photographer took a photo of this astronaut with this camera that's 10 years old and it's literally the cover photo of national geographic today and that just goes to show that you don't need the the latest gear Certainly upgrading your camera will give you um, access to things like prime lenses and these other things that uh, that uh, can dramatically improve your photos. But you don't need the latest gear. You can spend just a, a 200 bucks on a used camera, 150 bucks on a lens, and your, your photos will have the ability to be tack sharp. You will also need to pay attention to things you were talking about, Phil, like composition, lighting putting your putting the the uh putting yourself between the window and your kid not putting the window right behind your kid so that your your kid is super backlit and comes out really dark these little tricks that uh they they transcend gear but there are ways of solving the gear issue without spending a lot of money as well and if you if you go down the gear rabbit hole it can lead to some pretty dark places. <laughs> and I remember telling my wife when we got that D200 and the 50 millimeter lens, I remember telling her, and I quote, this is the last camera we'll ever need to buy. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, it's, it's, it's only gotten worse over time. Um, but I, I, it, a lot of it comes back to education and learning the exposure triangle, ISO, shutter speed, and and uh, aperture, and these these really basic things like you've been talking about. So anyway, I'd... yeah. No, that's <laughs> you're all right. You're all right. <laughs> Thank you. You've had a nice gear uh, rant there. 
Um, but I've got something that I just I thought of when you were talking about the kind of parent because who doesn't have a pocket camera or a DSLR. All they've got is their cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, because cell phones are getting a lot better and they're taking much, much better photos. And some people just depend on that and that's it. And that's fine. Um, now that is a case where getting the latest phone every year or two can make a significant difference, or at least it, it has over the last, uh, let's say 10 years. Okay. Um, the iPhone came out 10 years ago, the first iPhone, and it had a camera but the pictures were terrible. You know, you look at it today and they were just awful. Yeah. And because of phones like that became so, so popular, people started, the um, manufacturers started putting a lot more effort into better optics, better uh, camera sensors on phones. Mm-hmm. And in the last, gosh, five years, they have gotten significantly better every single year. I remember getting, oh man, um, some of my earlier Android smartphones, like an HTC Evo, uh, which at the time was like the best phone ever. And it had a camera that could shoot in 4K, which meant you'd get 4K garbage, but technically it was 4K. And the photos were really really good at the time for the time and, yeah. uh, comparatively a dslr would would cost you a whole bunch of money but your cell phone relatively cheap you know 100 bucks or something like that well you can get them on a contract and that's that's well, going away too but the thing I'm, the point i'm trying to make is if you use your cell phone as your only camera upgrading your phone every let's just say two years if things continue the way that they've been going the last couple of years, those are going to improve dramatically just every single year. Yeah. And I don't think that there's... I don't know when they'll get to the point where DSLRs can take photos or if there's going to be some, you know, mm. there's, there's physical differences and physical limitations, but. Well, just to, to, to illustrate your point, um, our friends have a, a one month old and my wife went over and saw him the other day and uh, my friends snapped a few pictures. They have iPhone sevens and my wife has an iPhone five, not a five S, but a five. And she showed me some of the photos that her, her friend snapped with her iPhone seven. And she was kind of astounded that they were noticeably better and sharper and had more contrast and all this than her iPhone five. And if we bring it back to our, our discussion of gear, um, the i mean the at this point mobile phones have basically decimated the the pocket camera industry or or niche market. well true yeah pocket um, cameras are kind of gone yeah and and if that is your primary camera is your mobile phone then start looking at composition i mean start paying attention to the the lighting where's the light coming from where should i stand so that i can get that shot of my kid get down on their level and all these basic things that uh, can dramatically improve your photos um, and use use some of the things that your phone that your phone can do via software. Also, um, the iPhone seven and seven plus has this portrait mode, 
which basically uses software to do that bokeh blurry background mm -hmm. for you. And, you know, at a glance, you'd never know that, that a photo taken with that wasn't taken with a DSLR. Well, um, and uh, HDR is something that can do, can make certain kinds of photos look just, just pop, just yeah, absolutely certain, pop. Certainly like landscape can, and nature photos benefit a lot from yeah, HDR take, mode. Photos with different exposures and combine them into one and they mm -hmm. can just look great. And a lot of new phones just have that built in. So learn those tools, those things that your phone has available because you can use that to improve your photos as well. Well, we have a listener question from Dennis, and um, Dennis's question kind of segues into our final section here. Uh, Dennis says, um, I, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read his, his, whole or his whole comment. He says, I think this is a great topic. Dennis says, I wasn't interested much in photography at the time our children were, were young, so my wife took most of the snapshots. I now wish that I'd been more involved. We do have some nice memories recorded, but not great photographs. And Dennis, that's exactly Phil, my Phil's experiences as well. We have these memories, but the pictures are nothing to write home about. Um, and Dennis says, the problem I have now is that I'm trying to get the perfect picture rather than the best one and miss opportunities. What are some ideas on how to stop the perfectionism and get the shot? Phil, you got any uh, anything to say to Dennis about, about this? Sure. Uh, the, the first thing that comes to mind is it's almost like you're taking what what we have talked about, you know, learning um, things like composition and you know, lighting and all that, and you're just going to the extreme with it, and that's all you're paying attention to. And I don't mean to, 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 sound, to sound negative. I'm just making an observation and, and sort of mm -hmm. thinking about where you're coming from. Um, and that, because there's so much attention being given to all of these other things and i've got to get that absolutely perfect shot so i've got to make sure the lighting is good i've got to make sure and oh now the moment's gone oh the kid woke up and now she's screaming she was sleeping so peacefully but that literally happened to me last week <laughs> so keep all of those things in mind all of those things that that we're learning and that we're talking about but at the center has got to just be the the subject your child like I've, the reason I'm taking this photo isn't to get a perfect photo because I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm not going to enter it in a competition. Odds are I'm not going to print some, you know, 28 by 40 photo and put it mm. on my wall. Yeah. I'm going to have this as my desktop background or maybe, maybe have it in a photo book or in a small frame. So your, your child has got to be the number one priority in that photo. Once you, you've kept that in mind, then everything else adds up to, you know, the other 50%. Well, and, and, and use that, but get, try to make sure that, that the moment or the story of what you're trying to capture, that that stays at the forefront of, of what you're, you're trying to tell or what you're trying to capture and then add in those other things like composition and lighting and focus. And I think that you will be able to train yourself over time to pull back a little from focusing on that perfect photo and getting one that really tells what you want it to tell. Well, and there's, Simon, what do you think? The, the, so um, there's this pendulum that I've noticed in my own photography where um, when my kids were little, I took photos 
all the time and everything was new and fresh and and i wanted like dozens of photos every day and then i i i i ended up um it, it was it was unsustainable and then i got into more intentional photography upgraded my camera stuff like that and i was i was where dennis was where i was trying to get the perfect shot and if i couldn't get the perfect shot i would delete it from my memory card before i even put it in lightroom because it wasn't worth having unless it was tack sharp um perfectly composed and all that and i've sort of swung back to the middle where nowadays i'm comfortable with a mix of taking photos of my iphone taking snapshots and busting out the big guns and taking some nice pictures that are um that do all those things tack sharp and all that and i for me it's sort of a mental thing where i i'm i'm okay with a variety of things i'm okay with not having the perfect shot because like you said phil at the end of the day it's something for me to look back on with my kids and for me i try and keep those basic elements in mind of am i getting on their level am i am i um, positioning myself so that there's a garbage dumpster behind them or a tree behind them and the, mm-hmm. these little things looking at what else is in the frame and if i've got those basic elements figured out which for me by now they i wouldn't say it happens every time but it happens a lot more than it used to i, I sort of do these things subconsciously so if i've hit those basic elements then i'm okay with a shot if it's not perfect because it does capture a moment for my kids and it does tell a story about the birthday party or the playing ball in the backyard or whatever it might be. So that's how I dealt with it. And I mean, it's a process. I'll, I'll be dealing with it for as long as I have kids. Um, as we close, I want to mention uh, a, a couple other things, which was um, I've also realized that if I'm taking photos all the time, I can't participate in my kids' lives as much. And I used to have my camera on me all the time, taking photos of everything. And I ended up with a Lightroom catalog full of thousands of photos that I don't even know what to do with. And I also then was not participating in what my kids were doing because I was too busy taking pictures of it. And... I'd say for the first year or so when my kids were born, I went for quantity. I got to take photos, thousands and thousands of photos. And I I, I don't do anything with those because they're all the same. Nowadays, I've learned to be okay with taking a few pictures of my kids and then putting the camera down and playing with them. Yeah, what are you going to do with 80,000 photos? Nothing. Of him eating peas out of a jar. Eating this food for the first time. You know, they're fun to take, but it's, I think there's a, almost an addiction to it. Yeah. You got to have that camera and you, okay, this is the first time this is happening. I got to take this photo. Got to take this photo. You got to take a whole bunch of them and make sure that they're one of them. One of them is good. Yeah. That's a, that can be a hard line to walk between taking the photos for, you know, for the purposes of, fulfilling having memories and fulfilling your need to take photos mm-hmm. versus not even getting the camera out and just going out and, and playing and doing whatever the kids are doing well, and, if, and, and just letting that go and saying, you know what, having photos of this isn't really that important. It'd be cool if I had one or two, but whatever, yeah, Let's it, just go play water guns exactly, with the kids for yeah. a while. And totally they're, they're going to have 
a much better time because you're out there with them and so are you. And if you forget about it in five years, so what? Life goes on, right? Yeah. Um, and if we look back on the photos that our parents took of us when we were kids, there's not 50,000 of them. Um, there's a dozen from one vacation and then maybe a couple in the summer. And, and certainly uh, our dad took a lot of pictures, <laughs> um, but we didn't have... 600 photos of every little event and no, no and no, no. somehow we still grew up and became productive members of society with families of our own so um it's nice to have those memories but yeah maybe not you don't need tons and tons and tons of photos so anyway phil i think we've explored like, the issue pretty well what, what, what yeah, would you say absolutely i think i was just gonna say it's like that pendulum thing right now Another reason that we didn't have, you know, 50,000 photos when we, of us when we were kids is because it, it was expensive to take photos, mm -hmm. to use film and develop and all that. But now mm -hmm. that pendulum has swung to the other side where taking 50,000 photos costs you nothing. Yeah. But what are you going to do with 50,000 photos? Nothing. <laughs> well, so we've got to pull it back. We've got to find that middle ground again. And that's, that is just training. That is training yourself and, uh, I don't know. And, that just and that gonna, takes a lot of work. I'm going to go on a little bit a tangent here. Um, so there's a lot of ways in which AI is being used to solve this problem for us. And Google recently talked about um, at their I.O. keynote, the new software that they have built into Google Photos that will go through all of your photos from a, an event like a, a birthday or vacation and use artificial intelligence to find the best photos. And then it makes a it, it basically picks out the, the best photos for you. And when I see that, I cringe a little bit because to me, if I have to rely on a computer to pick out the best photos, then I'm doing something wrong. And I don't want a computer telling me what it thinks are the photos that I need to save and have as my, pre my most precious memories. And that's not to say that that features like some people use that and it's great and they love it and that's fine. I'm not criticizing anyone else. But for me, when I see the computer solving my problem of not controlling my own photos, then that, that tells me I need to do something differently and be more intentional and take fewer but better photos and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, you feel that's like my rant. You have that responsibility of taking the best photos. Yeah. Not picking them from a, a pile of yeah. photos, but just taking them that, up front. Yeah. And, and that, yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's not probably neither here nor there. So our goal today was to talk about our early days of getting involved in photography. And I think we certainly did that. We talked about some of the challenges, some of the solutions and what we do today. So, hey, man, that was awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. That was yeah, good I'm, stuff. I'm, I'm glad we had this, this, this fun little we, chat. We should but do this more often. Let's, let's think about doing this again in a month or so <laughs> uh, and talk about something totally different. What's like our topic going to be? Macro photography. Macro? macro photography. That sounds Some awesome. close-ups, flowers, that kind of thing. That's a great idea. Macro photography. We should do that, Phil. Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, listeners, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on any of this. And if you have any uh, thoughts or tips on uh, macro photography for our next show or thoughts about this show, Go to cameradads.com. We're on Facebook. We're on 
Twitter. We're, we're everywhere. We basically have taken over the whole internet. So there's nowhere you can't find yeah. us. If it's camera dads, it's us. <laughs> All right. Okay. I think I just got a slogan for our show. <laughs> if it's camera dads, it's us. All right. Thanks, Phil. Yeah. Thanks. I'm, All right. See you see later. You next time.